you can join me again to the letter written to the church of Colossians. Looking at this first chapter, starting at verse 24, we'll go to the second chapter to verse 5. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Those who are able, if you can stand in honoring a reading of God's holy word. Amen. So as we all there and seen less pages, I was looking around. We had modern technology. Everybody just flipping through on some, some gad. Ain't that some? All right, all. Amen. So let's stay right there. Hopefully arrive to the same conclusion. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am part participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationships to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea. And for many other believers who have never met me personally, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Praise God for his word. As you take your seat, you can help me announce this to your neighbor. Struggle to know Christ. As we continue on in this great letter from Paul to the Church of Colossians, we find out, if you might see it in there, he says that I have not seen you, again, to, to emphasize to them that he has not been there in Colossae of the church, but they have heard of him, they've heard of his great gospel, and what he's pointing out to them as he continues on in this letter, that he is reaching out to them, the Gentiles, letting them know that they have not been excluded from this great gospel, but they have been included in this great gospel. And, and this is powerful because Paul introduced himself by the authority of who God has made him to be an apostle, who God has commissioned, who God has called, which he goes on to further illustrate to them in this personal part of this letter. 
If you follow with me here, I'm going to get to our text, but we've come so far in this letter. We went from the, the salutation where he, he introduced himself, who he is, who the recipients of the letter are. Then he gets into his prayer and his thanksgiving, how he prays for them. and He thanks God for them as a, the choir just got to somebody pray for them. They know Paul is praying for them and he thanks God for them and he prays that God will give them strength and encouragement. And now he gets into the part of before I start teaching and to instructing and to sharing with you. Let me give you a little bit personal information about me. I am struggling. And, and, and look what he says. He's not struggling because of pain and suffering, but he's struggling so that they might know Christ. And, and, and look at this. He says, I rejoice for my struggling. Oh, Lord, have mercy. How is it Paul can rejoice for his struggle of proclaiming the Christ? Was look at why he's going through some struggles. He's going through some struggles because he's dealing with some people that don't want to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And so these people have made it hard for him to preach and to teach that he has been beaten, he's been flogged, he's been abandoned, he's been doing all kinds of things. And, and look closely into this letter, he is writing this in prison. He is writing to a church he has not met, but he has heard of. He desires to meet with them and speak with them, but he's locked up for preaching this gospel. But yet he says, I rejoice. Can I stick a pen in it for a moment right now? I want to let somebody know I don't know what you're going through and what you're going through. But yet if Paul can be locked up for preaching the good news and he's innocent and not a criminal, and yet he can find joy, can somebody else here find some joy no matter what you're going through, knowing that your God can bring you through that God is in control no matter how bleak how dark the circumstances may seem like but God is still on the throne Amen. and from that he's still able to rejoice because he realized that this is not the end Amen. and so for that reason he struggles to share the truth he rejoices in his suffering for the sake of the church he's not suffering for his sake he's suffering for the church's sake we have to put this into our mentality that if I am struggling to know in Christ, am I willing to give us some stuff to draw closer to him? We have to be careful, as, as was alluded earlier about a worship of being pious, of thinking that as long as I go to church, as long as I keep my title and my position, everybody's going to think I'm a good Christian. Yeah, they, they will think that until your, your story comes out. That what you were talking about, you weren't really about. And we've seen many people fall that talk Christian and, and act like they're Christians, but we fall out that they were pseudo-Christians. Just because we go to church does not define and make somebody a Christian. Just as just because you pull up in a garage does not make you a car. We understand that it's not lip service, but it's life service that has to be involved. And Paul is pointing out, not only am I talking about it, but I'm living it. And catch this, I want you to know what I know, so you'll know what I know and know the power that we have together. And so Paul is called to minister to the Gentiles to let them know that maybe some Jews and some uh, uh, Gnostics and some other people out there are trying to push you away from this faith. But I have come here to let you know we have a commonality. 
This commonality is this mystery that has been revealed to us who is in Christ Jesus. Do you see that there? That he points to them that not only am I struggling for the church's sake, I'm struggling for the church's sake for Christ's sake. And so this struggle comes that I struggle for the church because I preach Christ. And so he's struggling to proclaim him. And look what he says here. Look at those, those three uh, verb words he used. He says to proclaim as basically to, to announce, to preach, or to teach Christ. And this is to point out to us that we need to struggle to proclaim Christ. That we need to be willing to announce him, announce him. I, when I thought about that, looked up this word into the study about announce him, uh, how you go, have you ever seen the, 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 the wars, the county wars? You might have watched the image awards. You might have watched all kinds of wars. You know before anybody comes up to the stage, they announce them. They want everybody to know who's about to come up on this stage. And, and certain ones, when they like certain ones, they get louder for that one. Like, here comes so, whoa! Here comes so-and-so. You can tell the difference. When they like them, they go crazy. When they don't, pity pat, pity pat. And, and so we too need to point out that we are not just in liking somebody, but we are in love with Jesus. And every time I show up in a place, I want to announce who I am with. Can I, can I stick a pen in there? I might digress for a little bit, but I think y'all might follow with me. How many of you here have been in love? And if you've been in love with somebody, when you went somewhere new with something, did you not want to announce? This is who I am with. I want everybody to know that this is who I am with. Because you are proud and you want to share and show everybody who you are. We need to realize that Jesus is exalted on the throne. He calls us friends. He calls us co-heirs. So every opportunity we have, we ought to announce that I'm with the king. And then not only should we announce and then he says we admonish. He says we admonish every man and teach. The admonish opera comes to warn them, to, to instruct them that many of us have to do some admonishment. Admonishment is sort of like this. When a child is about to run into the street, you don't teach them. You start to admonish them. Didn't I tell you not to run into the street? Now you got to warn them of the dangers going to come upon them. Then you get into the teaching. You look both ways. Before you cross the street, if the ball runs out, you stop the game and you look both ways. You now you get into it, but the admonishment comes into the warning. And there's some people out there that we need to stop teaching, but we need to start admonishing. To let them know the error of their ways that I love you, but yet I love you this much that I'm willing for you to not like me, for you to hate me, but for you to find eternal life. Am I talking to somebody here? That sometimes you got to tell the truth and set them free to let them know you're going down the wrong way. And I love you enough that I'm willing to break apart this friendship because I love you enough that I want you to know eternal life. That's why Paul was locked up. Paul realized I could go the convenient route. I could be simple and just not make any stir here and just let everybody go to hell. But no, I am, I am pushed. I have the desire that I have to preach and teach and I'm modest and tell everybody about a living Savior to a dying world to let them know that there's something greater than what you're living right now. And so in this proclamation and this admonishment, and to teach them, he wants to proclaim them. Look at, look at verse 29. It says, that is why I work and struggle so hard. And, and look, he says, I don't do it by myself. 
I am depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Do you understand that Paul realized that I could not have joy in this cell? I could not have joy in the times they beat me in the temple and dragged me out for dead. I could not have joy being shipwrecked and being left for dead. I, I would not have joy if it wasn't for Christ within me. That's why he's able to write that we, we quote very often, greater is he that's in me than he is that is in the world. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is pointing out to us that we have this great power. And you can see this thing that Paul understands where this power comes from. That's why we had the other favorite verse in, in, in Ephesians that, that now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we can ask or think or even imagine. But look, he says, it's not because that, but what according to the power that is within us. So he's saying that there's power that's within us that gives us the strength. But if you go backtrack a little bit further in this same letter, Paul writes to them saying, I pray to God that he will pour out to you and will fill you up with his glorious, mighty power that you will have the ability to endure and have long suffering. And look what he says, with joy. And we went through that basically saying that we have the ability to put up with mess and not complain and have joy knowing that God has given us the strength to make it through. That's why Paul's realizing I am struggling. I am going through this, but I can make it. Can I help somebody out here? Many of us realize that we can't lose weight. We can't get in shape. We can't do a lot of things on us. So we need a physical trainer. We need a coach. We need somebody around. Why do we need them? Because we need them to push us when we become weak. And when they become weak, they become that energy for us to let us know that we need to go. Some of, some of us have maybe tried those videos, and in those videos, the guy's yelling at you, yelling at you. Don't even know what you're going through, but he knows at this moment of this point of this exercise is when it's become the most difficult. And so I know that it's become the most difficult. i got to say those things to you that make those buzzwords to make you not stop. So I say, don't give up. I say, you've got it. You're doing a good job. We're almost made or we're almost at the end. And those words go back into your memory and your mind. So, you know what? I can make it. I think I can keep on going on. Can I help somebody else? Anybody here ever work out every day? And if you work out every day, you might realize there's a point in your exercise that you always become your weakest. You become, you become tired. But yeah, you know, if you've done it so many times before, you can see it through. And so, therefore, you remind yourself, I've done it in the past. I've been doing the same laps. I've been doing the same reps. I've been doing the same exercise. So I know I can make it to the end of this time or the end of this race. Or I can push up this bar one more last time. What God is letting us know that I am going to be there for you. So when you think you're about to give up, you think you're about to give up. I'm your spotter. I'm your coach. I'm your trainer. I'm the one to make sure that you make it through. And look here. God will make sure he will refresh. Paul realizing that no matter what I'm going through, through this struggle, it's not by my strength, it's not by my might, but by the might, but by the power of Christ. I, I want you to understand that there's many people out there that will walk away from you because you know Christ, but that's all right. God did not leave you. People will walk away from you because you become ethical, become, because you become moral, because you become virtuous, because you decided that I'm going to live my life for Christ. Now, all of a sudden, they think you acting funny, but no, you said, no, I'm trying to be holy. We live in this world that being a Christian is a common, common thing, but yet we got to point out being a Christian may be a common thing people call it, but living Christian is not. Yeah. 
Because we're going back again, I'm not giving lip service. I'm giving life service. So therefore, my relationships don't look like everybody else's relationship. My communication doesn't look like everybody else's communication. The way I walk, the way I talk, the way I go to work is different because why I'm serving a God who is holy and he desires for some holy folks. That's why he's writing to the holy ones, those who are set apart, called apart, looking to do different things. So therefore, we ought to be doing some different things. And when people see us, they see us difference in us so that's why Paul struggles he struggles so that there'll be a difference he says I struggle so that you be united in love y'all see that there he wants them to realize that your unity the power you find is in Christ he says verse 2 in chapter 2 I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong by the strong ties of love I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan which is Christ himself in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments for though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, that, you are, your, that your faith in Christ is strong. You see that there, that he's pointing out to them that I want, I, I struggle so that you would know the power that's within you. I struggle because I want you to know the power that is within you. How much more do we need to struggle for others to know how Christ can change in them? How much, how much grateful we are for people who have struggled on our, our behalf to make sure we knew with the greatness that was within us. I, 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 I can stay up here for, for days on end and tell you how many people poured into me to make sure I understood what God has poured into me. And I bet you could do the same thing if you start looking over your life and realize that if it wasn't for so-and-so who exposed to me and pointed out to me that God has put greatness in me. Where would I be? And then when we start looking at, we'll, we'll start, we'll start worshiping. We're saying, "The great is His grace and His mercy." We'll start worshiping. We might be singing, "Amazing grace." We might be worshiping. Say, "Oh, was the blood?" We might worship so just to be near the cross and realizing that, Lord, thank you, God, for sending people like Paul into my life that has poured into me to see the greatness that You have placed in me, and realizing that I can stand firm and have a strong foundation. In Christ. You understand when you have a strong foundation, you're able to stand? Because uh, I, I, I went, when I went to Haiti, and it's, it's amazing that, that you saw a big palace just tumbled and falling, yet you see other buildings standing. And, and, and I, what I realized is that as, as many of us might know something about fault lines, I don't know a lot, I know something, that if you're on the fault line, you're doomed. You know, the fault line, you're building that fault line, no matter what you do, it's going to fall. But when the foundation is sure, when the foundation is sure, no matter what's happening on the other side, you're going to be standing up. And so that's why you can see some buildings tumbled and fall, but some buildings standing because it was based on the foundation that they are on. And so when we realize that our foundation is not based on some well-crafted arguments, 
but based on truth, because you know there's some well-crafted arguments out there that God might be this or this might be that, that might be that. But when I stand on his word, I preach his word, I teach his word, I admonish his word, I declare his word, regardless of what they come back, I'm going to go back to the word and see what the word says. And, and when we realize what the word says is true and we apply it to our lives, we start seeing the power of God moving that what we start drawing close together because you know the word is based on his word and this word comes from him who is love and love is only going to draw us closer together hallelujah so I'm grateful for his love now the, on the other side it says love is a sharp his word is sharper than a two-edged sword which means it, it cuts And so we need his word to cut. He need to cut away some lies. He need to cut up some, some impurities. May to cut away some, some infidelity. And yet, cat says, cat says, it'll cut that stuff away, but also it'll encourage us to lift us up with some peace, with some truth, with some joy, with some grace that is sufficient from day to day to realize that our God will give us the power to make it. And that's why Paul is not depending upon himself, but depending on Christ. And he says, this same power is also in you. If you believe that same power is, is in you, to, to, to say that to yourself, this power is in me. And if you believe that power is, 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 is in you, cast this cast, you get to next to somebody with that same power. There's some powerful things that can happen. And that's why Paul was struggling. He was struggling to bring the church together, not to push it apart. There's people out there that want to put, break the church apart. There's people out there that want to see, see the ceasing of fellowship, seeing the ceasing of disciples and children of God coming together. They're trying to divide us any way they can. But when we stand on his truth, that love covers a multitude of sins, that perfect love casts out all fear, that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that there's none righteous before the Lord, all is sin and falling short of the glory of God, that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, that you confess he is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You see how it's all inclusive. No matter what stage of life you're going through, I got a scripture for you. It's his word to let you know. I know what you're going to say. I hear what you're about to say. I don't know what you're going through, but whatever thing you have negative against my God, I got positive for it. I, I've messed up too bad. He can't accept me. There's nothing too big for our God, for he died for all sin. You understand all, right? Everything. I, 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 I'm not worthy to come and I'm not worthy for all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. We can point out to them that I'm just like you. But yet one thing I want to point out to you that he, if he cleaned me up, he can clean you up. And so when we struggle to know Christ, we realize that not only, not only am I in this struggle, realizing the world is trying to keep me from proclaiming and teaching and admonishing, but also there's people out there that the world is trying to keep you away from because they want them to die in darkness, but yet you got a light inside of you. The good Negro spirits of this little light of mine, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it shine. Not hide it under a bushel. Jesus said, you don't light a lamp and then put it under to snuff it out. What's the reason for doing that? You're going to turn a light, then break the light bulb. Why you turn the light on? You're snuffing it out. We ought to let our light shine. Paul realized they're trying to lock me up. They can't stop it. 
They try to arrest me. They can't stop it. Paul realized that I'm going to send these letters out. I'm going to send my prayers up. I may not be there in, 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 in physical reality, but I'm there in heart and spirit and in concernment with you. We ought to do the same one for another that there's some people you can look around. We got some gaps and some pews. You can let them know you may not be a physical, but I'm praying for you. I'm encouraged by it. I want us to draw closer in love and so enough, so enough that one day they might show up and say thank you for praying for me. Thank you for checking on me. Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for being right there for me because there's somebody else I know that we are grateful that he's seated at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. Anybody here grateful that Jesus knows our names, that he died on the cross for our sins, interceding on our behalf that we can boldly now go before the throne of grace and didn't he not struggle? Did he not labor carrying the cross? They had to get Simon from Cyrene to help him carry the cross. Did it not weep him and make him so weak? But in his last breath, he says, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. Didn't they put some thorns on his head? But yet he says, Lord, I, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he rose again from the grave with all power in his hands. You know what it means that has all power, all power, that everything is under his authority. Since everything is now under his authority and he has defeated death, what do we have to fear? So there's no need to give up struggling. Because if he overcame, we too can overcome. And if he's victorious, then we are victorious. Because <laughs> we are more than conquerors. just want to close with this. Just think about it. When we worship God, we lift up our hands and we satisfy him. And we, and we, can, and we know when you lift up your hands, I, I said it before, it's like giving God a hug. Lifting up our hands is basically a way of, of sowing surrender and adoration and open up for receiving of his blessing and his presence. And also we can lift up his hands in victory and shout and cry. And I think about, you know, Muhammad Ali celebrated his birthday and he was watching uh, his, his victory over, over uh, George Foreman. But also we all know Muhammad Ali and the, and, the, and the Ali shuffle. But also you know what he did too. When he knocked somebody out and he knew he got him out, he put his hands up before the referee started counting. Because he already knew he had the victory. So he's put up, you don't got to count, ref. I know what's up. <laughs> and you see now boxers from this day, they knock somebody out, they put their hands up, they go to the rope and they look back to see, is he going to get up? <laughs> I want to let you know that when we are serving the Lord, every time we knock somebody down, hello, somebody, we don't got to look back. We just put our hands up, know that we have the victory, and we can worship him. We can thank him that great is his strength, great is his power, great is his strength that's in us that enables us to make it through. So don't give up. This world is trying to chain you, trying to block you up, but yet if Paul can rejoice in prison, you can rejoice in your circumstance. No matter the pain, the trouble, the trials that come your way, you can cast all your cares unto the one who cares. And, and look at he will bring you out and give you strength. And know that joy, sure enough, comes in the morning. Let's turn to him, Lord. We just come right now, almighty God, just grateful. Grateful for your grace and your mercy. Grateful for your peace. Grateful for your love. Grateful for your salvation power. Lord, there might be someone here who has not confessed Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior and received him into their heart. But, Lord, we are grateful that you are grace and your mercy is sufficient. That today is the day of salvation, almighty God. Today is the day that you can welcome them, usher them into your kingdom. Today is the day that they can just surrender their lives unto you. 
And, Lord, we realize, Lord, those who confess and know you, God, that we too daily, daily need to surrender our lives unto you, God. And we are grateful that you have never given up on us. And, Lord, we'll continue striving and pushing to live the life that you call us to live. Help us, Lord, to be more bold in preaching and teaching and admonishing and proclaiming your truth to all that we meet, almighty God. Help us to be your witnesses, to be your light, to be your truth in this dark world, almighty God. Use us, Lord, as your vessels in a mighty, awesome, magnificent way that, Lord, we can see transformation, we can see salvation, we can see redemption happening, Lord, as you are using us, God, in our households, Lord, in our workplace, in our, in our family, oh God, realizing that we can be vessels of sharing the good news of our matchless Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, as we leave this, as we continue to move from this part of worship and your preaching, Almighty God, minister to our hearts. God us, direct us right now. Minister to those who need to be ministered to right now. Help those, Lord, to understand what it means to be saved right now. God, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your convicting and your powerful work that you can do. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen.